There used to be a chain in the area called the Revco Drugstore. For some reason, it was always the Revco, not just Revco. And I used to shop there until about 20 years ago when they were brought out, bought out by another chain with a less inspiring name. And I was a very young priest, and I went shopping to the newly named place, and I thought I found some real bargains. And I took them up to the counter, and the price was much higher than I thought it was going to be, and I assumed I did something dumb and just let it, I paid the money and let it go. And some time passes, and I go back, and I go again, and I find what I thought to be real bargains. And this time I paid particular attention to the price tags. They, they, none of the items had price tags on them. All the price tags were on the shelf. And the price was in big, bold letters, but the description of the, uh, of the product was in teeny tiny lettering. And at the time, I didn't even need glasses, and I could barely read them then. And the price for the less expensive item was somehow snuck over to the more expensive item, and the price of the expensive item was way off to the side. So unless you really paid attention you weren't really sure what price you were paying for the thing that you were buying. And I thought this was pretty rotten. I thought it was kind of underhanded. So I, I wrote a letter to the, the company, and I put it in the mailbox, a real mailbox, not one on my computer, and waited and waited and waited and got no reply. I went back to the store sometime later to see if things had changed, and it hadn't. So another letter was written. In it, I explained that I had previously written a letter, and as a young idealist priest, I said that I was a priest, and I would tell people not to shop there unless they fixed this. <laughs> they did not even acknowledge my letter. So out of anger and some self-righteousness, a sense of duty, and I will admit a feeling of helplessness in the situation, I have never purposefully shopped there again. And it's kind of the American way. It's part of what makes our free market system work. If a business provides you what you want and how you want it, we are going to give them resources, right? We'll give our hard-earned money for what they give us. But if not, if they don't give us what we want and how we want it, we will not give them money and their business will either hurt or fail until they change. And there's a lot of admirable aspects to this method. It gives us a way to fight back. It is also the same strategy that some people are using against the church today in light of the church scandal. Once it was uncovered that there were some bishops involved that became too much for some, and not only were resources withheld from parishes, some, and perhaps you know some yourself, have decided that they won't even come to Mass anymore. And in sort of a protest, they withhold not over only their support, but their presence. And as an American, I understand this method. But as a Catholic, I find it a little bit more difficult. As an American, I want the power to let my disappointment to be known and I have an influence over higher, higher realms to do the right thing. But as a Catholic, I cannot understand keeping myself away from the Eucharist, from the forgiveness of my sins, 
from the community, from the good that this community does because of the actions of a few men over there. I can't keep myself from this because of someone over there. In every human institution, every single solitary one of them, including the family, there always has been, is, and always will be stupid people who do evil and wicked things, including the church. We are an organization of sinners looking to be cured, not saints in a pseudo-heaven. And sin always needs to be identified and dealt with. But as in the gospel today, which is, I gotta tell you, taken on a lot more meaning for me than ever before, there are 10 lepers who approach Jesus for a cure to their sickness. And Jesus does cure them. He says, go show yourselves to the priest, which was the way that uh, when you went to show yourself to the priest, they were the ones that said, yep, you no longer have leprosy. You can come back to the community. And on their way, they were cleansed. And only one of them, realizing that he had been cured, comes back, falls at the knees of Jesus and thanks him. And Jesus makes the observation. Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. In this story, who are the lepers today? The leprosy today is personal sin. And the cleansing is baptism and confession. Who among us has been chosen, incorporated into the body of Christ, made our fathers sons and daughters, and had original sin washed away? Who of us has been to confession with a heavy heart, this weight that we've had been hanging on us, and we go to confession, and we confess our sins and have our sins washed away and be made new again? Who has been made worthy to be a temple of the Holy Spirit in confirmation? And who among us is made tabernacles of the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ at every Mass? I have. And I find it amazing. You have also. And do you know who you are in the gospel today? You are the one in ten that comes back and gives thanks. You are here. You are awesome because you don't let anything get between you and your love and debt to God. Remember this. No man saves you. Jesus Christ saves you. Our salvation comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through his passion, he creates an endless pool of grace that, when tapped into, saves us from our sin and brings us to heaven. The way to tap into this grace is through the sacraments of his church. Here we go, back to fifth grade. What is a sacrament? An outward sign instituted by Christ to give us grace, an outward sign, something that we use, something visible that we use that tell us of the unseen work of God going on. So in baptism, right over there, which we will have one today, I will take water and I will pour it over an infant's head and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that outward action will tell us how that child is being made a son or daughter of their father, being incorporated into the life of the church and having original sin washed away. 
Or perhaps when the bishop comes down and he takes chrism and he traces it on your forehead and says, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, an outward sign instituted by Christ. Somewhere Jesus Christ tells us to do this. In the book of Matthew, go out and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the letter of James, are there people sick among you? Let them send for the priests of the church and let the priests pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Whose sins you, you forgive or forgiven, whose sins you retain, you retained at the end of John. And to give us grace to tap into that life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that endless pool that he created. The sacraments are the plumbing that bring, us, bring his grace here to us today. So I like to use this example with my marriage couples when they come in when we're talking about sacraments. Say you're on your honeymoon, you go to uh, 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 St. Peter Basilica in Rome and Pope, the Pope is there and he's preaching a homily that knocks your socks off, the Cleveland Orchestra and Choir. No, our choir is there again, woohoo, singing. And Lynn's playing the organ and you're just like, wow, this is awesome, this is great. And the next day, you're at the hotel, you want to go to Mass again, and you want to go to St. Peter's to relive that moment, and they say, oh, you don't have time, your cab's going to be here, but there is a youth group down in the basement having a Mass. You could go down there and join them. So you go, okay. So you go down into the basement, and it really is a basement. It's kind of dank, and the ceiling tiles are kind of falling in, and, and you're sitting on folding chairs, and there's a nun with an out-of-tune guitar in the back trying to lead the music, and the altar is just a folding table with a banquet cloth thrown over it, and the priest comes out, and you can tell he's not looking well. You know he has a hangover, and last night he was talking about leaving the priesthood, and you know it because you were there drinking with him. The fact remains that you might have gotten more out of one Mass than the other intellectually, aesthetically, but the Jesus Christ proclaimed in the Gospel and the Jesus Christ that's made present on the altar is exactly the same at both those Masses because it doesn't depend on the priest. It depends on Jesus Christ making himself present through the priest. We only have one priest and we've only ever had one priest in the Catholic Church. Jesus Christ. My priesthood merely participates in his priesthood. He is the only reason we are here. He is the reason that we are church in West Akron. It is by his hand that we are saved. The human part of the church will always need to be purified. And when it is especially bad, that has always been Jesus' playground for the Holy Spirit, to raise up holy people and a bumper crop of saints. That's our time. You are his holy people. It is our calling to be holy, to take advantage of his grace in the sacraments and to build up the one holy Catholic and apostolic church.